Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kitty Aki. That's me. You have just tuned in to Culture Kids. Today, I have a special guest with me, an artist. She's a photographer. Diana Pelinor is a photographer and digital artist who is based in Toronto, having growing up in Brazil and Uruguay. Diana has always been fascinated with technology and Web3 and has provided the perfect platform to explore her curiosity of what is possible on the blockchain. Her art is based on digital photographs that are then manipulated and put into Photoshop that tell a story beyond the image. Diana likes to imagine what life would look like if we lived on the blockchain and her latest collection is a reflection of this imaginary world. Diana is the co-founder of Xenosproject.io, an NFT PFP collection whose mission is to support schools in unrepresented regions. It is a project that is using Web3 to create a positive social impact. Today, we're going to talk about being an NFT artist. Is it enough? Should we be branching out more? Technology, social media burnout, AI, and using AI in our art. So with that being said, Diana, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thank you, Katie. I'm really well. And thank you for that great intro. My goodness, I need to bring you with me (laughs) wherever I go. So thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. You're very, thank you. I'm very excited. Thank you. So diving right in, Uruguay. Mm -hmm. um, Do you know um, Alejandro Younger by chance? Uh, no, I don't. He has an amazing book called Clean, C-L-E-A-N. He's a uh, New York best time seller three times in a row. It's all about physical toxins, environmental toxins, you know, the communication mm-hmm. and quantum detoxification. But that's my connection with Uruguay. But he's amazing. And I haven't visited the country yet. But so tell us, where were you born? And um, how did you know you were an artist? Okay, so I was born, I was actually born in Canada, although I left Canada when I was very young and uh, my parents moved around a lot. So I lived in a lot of different countries. I lived in Uruguay. I lived in Brazil and Argentina, Venezuela. And uh, there. And now I am living back in Canada. So I spent all my formative years uh, in Latin America, mostly between Brazil and Uruguay. And Uruguay, I consider myself Uruguayan, Canadian Uruguayan, because mm-hmm. I spent uh, all my childhood summers there and lived there, did all my high school years. My father grew up in Uruguay. So that's like... Like this deep connection that that I have uh, with the country, but um, it's always been a lot of moving around, <laughs> even within the countries, different cities. Even in Canada, I was in Montreal. Now I'm in Toronto. So my childhood, I have to say, was was really interesting and nice, different. A lot of uh, meeting new people all the time and uh, starting over a lot in different countries, which is also challenging. But I think uh, influenced me a lot now with my art. And when you were living in these different countries in Latin America, did you have your camera? Were you photographing the countries you were in? And when did you first pick up a camera? Uh, my mother used to like to photograph a lot. And so she always had a camera that I would kind of borrow and take pictures. And But it was always more like as an afterthought. And I always, I feel that I actually picked up a camera more seriously when I was in Canada in my 20s. So younger was more just playing around. I didn't own a camera. I was using my mother's. It was the time when we, you know, we had to develop the film. So it was very precious. You can't just go around randomly (laughs) snapping pictures, um, which also kind of gives you like thought into what you're going to take 
right? The photographs you're going to take. But for me, when I was in my 20s was when I began to really find photography for me as like an outlet of my self-expression and discovering the world through the lens. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would say like, I mean, not until recently did I really start calling myself an artist. Mm -hmm. It took a long time to say, yeah, I'm an artist. That took a while. And it's sometimes it even still feels strange. And honestly, it's common. I've had numerous of artists on the show who say the same thing. And, uh, you know, even people who aren't on the show, uh, they can identify with what you're saying. Um, do you want to talk about that kind of those struggles for you? Maybe why you felt that way? Or did you not have the encouragement around you? Or was there some kind of belief that you disassociated with? Or what was it for you that why you didn't recognize yourself as an artist? I think I think it was because it's like, how can you earn a living being an artist like that is just like some no an art you know art being an artist whether you're a painter or for my case photography it's kind of like oh that's your hobby like that's basically the message that I was would receive from family from my parents oh it's very nice that you like to do this but you need a career that's not something you can rely upon uh, so I think that that we internalize those those messages and we're like okay it's fine as a hobby but nothing more and it takes like a real shift in identity to start to to realize wait a minute I can be an artist and that's who I am and that's what makes me happy and therefore why should I discard that as who I am and who I want to be and kind of break away from the social constructs that we were raised with right yeah Art is fine and dandy but don't get a job in that because you'll starve to death. <laughs> yeah. So it's like listening to your own self and really making the choice as a human, as a woman to say, this is me and this is what I want to do. And it's your choice, not what everyone else told you prior. So it's exactly it's that, it's that choice that you made that differentiated your new venture of exploring what made you happy. Exactly. And that takes, it's hard to do. It takes a lot of courage. It, you know, we, I mean, at least me, I tend to think like imposter syndrome, like, oh, okay, this is fine, but it's not great. There's so many people doing so much better things and bigger things. And, and so it's a, it's an internal struggle to say, okay, yes, I can do it. Yes, my work is good. Yes, people like it and not be like pretending like, oh, I'm just pretending to be a photographer. Like this whole imposter syndrome, I struggle a lot with, to, and, to be honest. Yeah, I, I feel you. I, I have similar stories. And especially with being a photographer, we're in the technology of the digital age. It's like everyone can be a photographer. And how do you decipher like which image is the image? and the value of why someone would want to purchase it, right? Right. Opposed to all the other literally millions of photos now because it's so saturated. So what kind of camera um, are you working, are you utilizing now? So I, my, it's my baby. <laughs> it's my, I have a Fuji, a mirrorless camera. It's a Fuji X-T2 and I, I love it. I find like the images that come out of it so sharp like crisp like I can really all the buttons are on the outside so it's easy to change all the settings I don't have to look I do it all like by feeling I, you know I know where all the buttons are it's almost like an extension of my body so I I love uh, my camera I have like I've been had Fuji cameras for a long time 
and there I'm like, I just love them. Like I said, it's like an extension of my body. It's like my baby. I take care of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you said that, I just lit up. I feel so like inside, so uplifted. So um, I, I saw you just like start gleaming and glowing. Yeah. So I'm sure the the listener just felt that shift in energy. That That's so cool. I love talking about the craft and, you know, the materials that we utilize to create. So what do you mm-hmm. like photographing now? So now, so my things have kind of shifted a bit. It's interesting. I think like for me, um, as like my art is a little bit of my reflection of search for identity because I grew up in so many places and I feel part of so many different communities. Like I was telling a friend recently, I'm like, I I belong to the Brazilian community and to the Latin community and to the North American community. So there's always been this question, like, who am I? And when people ask me, where are you from? It's like, it's a lot. Like I'm from very many places and, and nowhere at the same time. I feel the same way. And that is the question. Like I grew up with Greek mythology. So who am I, you know, and it's, I think it's not just like, who am I? It's, it's a process of discovering and learning. And that's the journey of life, especially being an artist, because you can identify and find new layers and go deeper and deeper on that seeking journey of one's soul. You know, that's so cool. And and being Greek, I was born with first two first names, Katie and Kiriaki. And so mm-hmm. it was always split. So it's, if I say Kiriaki, people are like, that's like a whole conversation. So sometimes right. I don't want to have that whole conversation that you must feel as well when people ask you certain things. Sometimes I'll just say Katie just to like get on with it because it's like it, it brings up so much turmoil inside to have to explain. And it's difficult to explain, you know, it's like, are those the questions we should really be asking, you know, like, yeah, um, I totally, totally feel what you're saying absolutely like I I feel exactly the same thing and then I think uh, circling back to the art so my my photography kind of reflects that like I'm attracted to a lot of different things I I like to do a lot of abstract photography Mm -hmm. but I'll be in the mood for landscape sometimes I'll be in the mood for portraits and and so I don't really fit in a box which I find um you know I I'm not a landscape photographer a portrait photographer or uh cityscape. I'm kind of like, I go with the wind. And I think it's part of this of feeling my entire life of really not belonging everywhere and not belonging anywhere kind of thing. And recently, I've been playing around and exploring AI and mixing it a little bit with my my photography. And I'm starting to find that really interesting because I'm making collages with, you know, you create an image in AI and then I bring it into Photoshop and I've got some of my own images and I create like a collage. And I'm starting to feel like, oh, this is like me piecing together who I am. Like I take a piece from one thing and a piece from another and then I kind of create an image. And so it's been a really interesting exploration for me of identity using the, you know, my photography, AI, and just this kind of mis- mishmash of the tools that we have now with technology um, and what we can do with them. Mm-hmm. Love that. And then which programs are you using for AI right now? Because there's so many. I'm using mainly uh, MidJourney. Okay. How long have you one. been on MidJourney? Uh, not that long. I mean, I would say just a few months, maybe not even. It's like a big learning curve. It seems so simple when you say, oh, I'll just put in my prompt. But, but at the beginning, like you have these images that you're like, whoa, <laughs> not what I wanted. So it's really a skill I think more than than people realize to try to get it to create the image that you want 
So, and I'm still learning. I'm like, this is still like a work in progress and learning. And aren't we all (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's the point, but it's so cool that you use, you take nature and you take your physical form with the intelligence of your body and your soul and your feelings. And then you apply it to Photoshop, these technological tools and AI And you lean into the technology and the evolution of what people have created, what other humans have created. So it's kind of like a really interactive thing, although it's like one's soul journey, one artist journey, but where you're utilizing the tools that other people, humans have created. So they're actually like a part of your art as well, which is kind of really neat. Exactly. It is. And I've always been really, I love technology. I've always been really curious about technology. And so whenever something new comes out, I'm like, okay, I just have to jump right in. Kind of like with NFTs. When I first heard about NFTs, I'm like, what is this? This sounds so neat, but what the heck is it? Right. And and it was just kind of like jumping right in. I remember uh, like um, over two years ago now and not knowing what I was getting into and not knowing, you know, what anything really meant and how it worked, but just kind of diving in and then seeing what happens. Speaking of NFTs and your journey, where were you? How did you pivot? Like what happened? How did you get involved with the NFT community and Web3? So it was actually, I think what happened to a lot of us when the lockdown first started and we all were home. In my case, I was traveling to Uruguay to see my father and uh, who, who uh, it was like a emergency trip. It was absolutely surreal. Lockdown had started. I had to get special permission to get into Uruguay. I traveled. It was like almost like apocalyptic. The airports were closed. Everything was dark. There was no one on the planes. Like it, it was the weirdest thing. And I land in Uruguay and we had a mandatory one week quarantine at that time. So I was very lucky. A friend of mine's neighbor was was out of town. So I quarantined at his house, uh, his apartment. And I was stuck there for a week and going crazy because I had to see my dad who was in the hospital, but I couldn't go because I had to quarantine. And I was like, what can I do? And I'm like, NFTs. I had heard about them. I had, you know, spoken a little bit with some people on Instagram and following. And then I, I had the time, the one week confinement really to and that's when I opened my wallet and I bought my first cryptocurrency and I minted my first NFTs and, and what, did just, you, what did you which uh, which tools did you utilize so I my first NFTs that I ever minted I put them up on OpenSea no no when you got um when you got crypto and you got your your wallet which what which wallet did you get um I got the MetaMask mm-hmm. and I was on Coinbase <laughs> so I was that was just like the easiest thing that was what I, I had learned and uh so I had uh, I don't know if you know Priyanka Patel she was the first she's a photographer and she's the first person who I met in the space and really I think we all have those people that first were helping us yeah and and holding our hand and saying oh like because you're like sending like a million DMs, right? Like, how do I open this? Like, how do I click? And we're so afraid because you hear all these stories. Like once you send money, that's it. If you don't do it right. Anyway, so it was like, she was amazing. She really like helped me uh, at the beginning. Is she a Searchlight artist as well? No, no, she, she okay. isn't. Yeah, I don't know her. I, I, I'll have to, you'll have to send me your link. I'll send, I'll send you. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So you were in the clubhouse days then? I was. Uh, yes, I was, but not fully. Because 
my father was ill and I was spending a lot of time with him at the hospital and I was listening into clubhouse. I was joining some rooms, but I wasn't spending like 24 hours a day. Like a lot of people were at the time where it was completely crazy. I mean, I did have my late nights till three, four in the morning talking, but yes, definitely. I started on clubhouse. Yeah. That was that was the thing. Good memories. Really fun memories. So I met Jimena Bunavita in Clubhouse and uh, she actually turned me on to you. I know we've been in multiple exhibitions together through Searchlight. Shout out to Jen Joy and the crew. Yes. Love Searchlight. But yeah, uh, you and Jimeno were collaborating and doing things together um, in the Latin community. And and that's how I first uh, knew about you and your work and started following you and your journey. And then gratefully, we got to meet at NFT NYC at Searchlight in IRL. So so that was, right. really, that was really neat. Yeah. No, that that was very neat. And Jimena, some, you know, is a very dear friend. And uh, we, we, it's some people you cross paths with, even virtually, right? And you just connect. And, uh, and that's what happened with us. We just connected and uh, there was no turning back. And then we met each other also in real life. And that just kind of cements the, the friendship. So there's, I have to say, very special people that, that I've met like you um, in the NFT space that can be so, you know, there's so many people now and the community has grown so much. But I do think that since we were in at the beginning, there's also that that's very special. Yeah. We were like the the OGs, I guess. Yeah, 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 definitely. Do you want to tell like a, a clubhouse story, something like an experience or something that you remembered during that time? Well, I mean, apart from the really long nights that we, the old club, that the, the, the clubhouses uh, would open, right? The rooms and we yeah. would just be there for hours and hours. I mean, I just remember how terrified it was, I was to even like unmike and say anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, those, it took like, totally out of my comfort zone um, to even talk in front of people because it's very weird like when you don't see the person and everybody's silent listening to you it becomes almost like a monologue and and it's a very strange feeling until you you get used to it so I think that for me that's like just what I remember is like the shyness the awkwardness and then everybody being so nice yeah. And uh, and that really like making the the huge difference and saying, OK, yeah, this is fun. This is fun. Yeah. I like how Clubhouse Days uh, set a certain precedence on um, how we communicate with one another because it's about sound, vibration, holding space, empathy. And then you see people's characters like if mm-hmm. they're authentic, if they're now they call it bad actor. Right. But I love like when you're like speaking, you do your whole monologue and then you're like, and now I'm done. I'm done speaking. <laughs> yes. That I always felt very funny. <laughs> you get used to it after a while, but it's very funny. Yeah. Sometimes now in Twitter spaces, people will bring back that joke and they're like okay and and I'm done and it's, yeah. it's funny for the people who kind of know yeah it is it is funny it's cute <laughs> so do you want to chat about uh, more about um AI mid-journey oh I was going to tell you real quick mm-hmm. prequel I've been playing with um since last October I was playing with prequel and I took some images that I took or that was of me I was a subject and I put it through an AI generator through prequel so if you want to check it out yeah it's some of the features are pretty neat. Neat. I will check it out. I haven't heard of it. Definitely check it out. Yeah. So, I mean, Mid Journey just started again. Curiosity. Like, what do you mean you can write sentences and then an image comes out? And so it was like an exploration of language and uh, an image. 
and how the two are fused together and playing with the, you know, the algorithm, I guess, of mid journey. So it's been, it, it's been really, really fun. I find it's almost like a rabbit hole that you go down because you start creating these images. And then before you know it, you know, two hours have gone by. <laughs> yeah. And there's just so much. It's just like really like endless. Uh, things that you can you can put out and I mean there's controversy I guess a little bit when you know using prompts with artist names and the machine putting out images Um, but I think like anything that's new it needs to just find its place and settle and we'll figure it out and let's talk about like the business of being an artist and um, actually selling your work like how do you do that so you have the creation part it's an exploration but how do you shape shift because it's a whole nother cap that an artist wears and you have a family you're a mother of three so how is that with you know putting your work out there and then putting it out there for marketing and and to obtain collectors and, and sales any tips for someone tuning in that may that something that you've learned that works and things that maybe don't work that you've learned from that could support the listener yeah no sure um i'd say that it's challenging it's not easy i think that what i've learned what i've really learned is to kind of create cohesive collections that go around a theme or a style and put them out like as a group. And I find that that kind of works pretty well because then you become, you know, you people can identify you as, oh, like now I'm doing a lot of imagining uh, what the blockchain would look like if we lived on it. So I'm creating a lot of work and, and it's it's got a lot of texture to it and little blocks. And, and so when, when people see that, they're like, oh yeah, that's like the blockchain collection. So I find that that's something that I'm, uh, I mean, it's all also trial and error honestly, in the space, like sometimes things work, sometimes things don't. And I'm, I still haven't figured it out. And uh, just, you know, but learning, learning about not putting out too much work at at the beginning, when I first came into the space, I was like, Oh, this is so fun. And I'll start, you know, minting like one thing, another and another and another. And, and finally, I was like, Oh, wait, whoa, that's not good. So I burnt a lot of things, you know, later to try to make things a little bit more cohesive. So and um, I think that it it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to really um, market oneself. Like we're artists and the whole marketing thing for me, especially I find, you know, really difficult. Uh, it's like wearing a hat that I didn't know I had to. Yeah. Uh, um, and then when you put out a collection, do you put the whole collection out at the same time? Or do you put you're like, oh, this is maybe an 11 piece collection. This is a collection, but you put one out at a time, maybe every week to keep it going for marketing? Or do you release the whole collection at the same time? No, I've been putting them out slowly. So I even will do like one a month. And I've been like this blockchain is pretty new, this collection that I've been doing. And so I'm putting them out slowly. And some of them are one of ones and some are additions. Again, it's just, I'm also learning and seeing, okay, what what works better than other. And uh, so it's still the whole process. I always feel like I'm a student in the space. That's great. That's really smart. And then how um, are you, do you have your own smart contract? Are you lazy minting? What are you doing um, to release your NFTs? So I do have my own smart contract. I'm very lucky that my brother, my younger brother, he's a dev. So um, I, when he, when I got, when I started into NFTs and I got very enthusiastic, of course, and I'm telling everybody I know, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You guys have to come check out, you know, NFTs and blockchain and Web3 and everything that it, that entails. Um, my brother, he likes to program. So I said to him, oh, you should check it out from like the programming side because it's it's really cool. And plus I thought, you know, maybe he can write me a 
our contract <laughs> secretly. <laughs> and anyways, he's also very curious. And, uh, and that's how we started actually our Zeno's project. Uh, it became like, it was like a family, family project um, because we were on quarantine and we wanted to to make a difference and help. And my brother and his wife, who were used to traveling to this school in Uganda, which is the first school that we're um, donating money to, they weren't able to travel because of quarantine. And so because I was in, in NFTs, I was like, oh, okay, you guys can't travel there, but maybe we can create this project that can help them. And we don't need to go anywhere. And, you know, with crypto, it's so easy to, so easy to move around. It's like all the advantages, right? And that's how that project was born. And so my brother um, joined as the dev and he learned to program and made the smart contract for the project and everything. And I got the benefit that he made me a smart contract. <laughs> so I put my pieces on OpenSea under my smart contract. If they, I do have some that are in other platforms like Maker's Place and Known Origin. And then I'm just using the ones that they have because I still can integrate mine to those platforms. But it, it, it'll happen. It'll mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. um, so are you on Ethereum only right now? Mainly, yes. Mm -hmm. I do have some things on Tesos. And um, I was at, uh, I, I had a lot of things in Hick and Nook. And then that kind of came to, to an end. And everything kind of just, I stopped with Tesos because I wasn't sure like what to do next. But it's always in the back of my mind to explore that, that chain again, because there's some really cool and interesting things happening and really cool art coming out of it. And I know a lot of people that really, um, they love, they love Tezos. So it's in the back of my mind to get to it again. Yeah, our friend Art Jedi, uh, she uh, is doing really well on Tezos. I know Jimena mm -hmm. Bunavita, she did some things on Tezos. Uh, originally in 2021, I wanted to release my music NFT collection on Tezos. I ended up doing Lazy Minting on OpenSea, but um, right. last November, I released one on Tezos. I want to definitely, I definitely want to release some stuff on Tezos as well. Um, I like that platform. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's been in, um, on my to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that to-do list you can get. I know, exactly. Yeah. We need like seven of you, seven, yeah. seven of you, and it could all be done. <laughs> I say that all the time. Where are my clones? <laughs> yeah, they're coming. They're on the way. Yeah. So with Xenos, how did you come up with the name? So we were just, it was actually my, uh, one of my other brothers who's on the team who came up with the name because uh, we, it was just brainstorming. I mean, you just, uh, coming up with names is actually one of the hardest things I find. You do a project, you do a piece of art, and a lot of times like, that's the hardest part to say, okay, what am I, what's the title going to be? What am I going to name it? And so we, I don't remember. It was one of those uh, brainstorming sessions and, and the little character, which is, was made by another team member of ours, uh, this amazing artist from Panama, um, Bero, Bero Ivo. She created our little Zeno's character. And, and once they were made, it was like, oh, they are so cute, but they're weird looking. They're kind of alien-y. And so out of that came the name Zeno which is Greek, which means alien, unusual. And it just, it just fit. Like you just hear it and you don't know why. And you're like, yep, that's it. And you just yeah. go with it. So yeah. 
That's how it came. It's all about the root in the story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. You're so blessed that you have a family affair going on, that everyone's leaning in and doing things as a family. I mean, to have that support, oh gosh, that's that's wonderful. And so are your children involved with blockchain technology? Did you introduce it to them? Like how are, what are their thoughts, the younger generations on, on Web3, NFTs and blockchain? So they're not, they're not in blockchain. I wish they were. My middle son is studying computers and, and he's about to graduate. And I'm kind of saying, look, there's a lot of opportunities in, in blockchain. You should look into it. They're a little bit skeptic. Yeah. So I find that they're, they're a little bit skeptic and they see, they see what I'm doing and they think it's really cool. Uh, and they're, they really support me, which is great, but they're not so sure if it's going to stick around, what's going to happen, even though I tell them, no, it's the opposite. We're like in the earliest stages of blockchain and all the possibilities, not only with art, but with identity and so many different things that the blockchain can be used for. Like art is just like a little tiny part of it. And, uh, so I think they're in the wait and see, but I do hope that I can influence them. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You're such a pioneer and such a leader. And then, but not everyone can be a pioneer and leader. A lot of like the masses will wait till the builders are, we're building, the builders are building, right. the founders are founding, things will go up, things will go down. And then when there's something, just something that's like 1000% that works, then the masses jump on and they, they want to be a part of it. So that's fine. Not everyone needs to be an artist and a founder and a builder. Exactly. I like how you use the word pioneer. I didn't yeah. think about it that way, but you know what? Totally. We're pioneers in the space. Yes. Oh my God. I see a title for the podcast coming already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so shifting now, let's talk about social media burnout. How is that for you? So I find that it's a thing. Definitely. I do find that um, it's we, we I get sucked in a lot and that I have to consciously take a step back. So at the beginning, when I first got into NFTs and I was just spending way too much time, like I think like all of us, the hours on Clubhouse and, you know, then we shifted to Twitter and just being always answering people's DMs and tweets. And, and for me, it's, I mean, I, I'm a different generation. I'm not so young anymore. And so it was like also like this whole kind of getting used to being on social media so much. It's really funny because I used to tell my kids, get off the phone, get off the phone. And then there was like this shift where they were like, mom, get off the phone. They were telling me <laughs> to get off the phone because I was like tweeting and answering messages. And uh, and sometimes I don't realize until I, I step away. And I find that I was just feeling tired and cranky. And, and, and I realized that it was just being too connected all the time. And that's one of the things that I've learned now is I don't need to spend all day tweeting. I don't need to spend all day on social media, even though it's such a big part of, of our job. I need to find that balance. And it's a constant struggle. Where is the balance? Am I away too much? Am I in it too much? Like, and, and so every day, it's kind of like learning too. you know, where, where, how much time and how much energy, because something that was also happening with us spending so much time on social media, I was like, not creating my art. And then it's like, whoa, stop, I need to create my art and, and find that balance. Because it was missing. And I was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, Oh, damn, I'm not making my art because I'm tweeting too much. Wow. Wow. Um, 
there's like three points that came up. Every moment has its season. You sowed your seeds, you put your time in. So the newcomers and the people coming in, they're sowing their seeds, they're putting their time in. There's a, a, a part of checking in with self, checking with community, being there, then having that balance of family, of nature, of taking care of your mental wellness, your emotional health. Yeah. And then not dismantling your own art. I spent all of last year, I, I was on X amount of stages and I curated a lot of, you know, uh, exhibitions with the community and artists. And I was doing that so much. And I put you in some of the exhibitions, some of your work. Yes, thank you. It was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. And because I did that, which is great, and I don't regret it or anything, but it was a big aha moment of what you just said is like, I was so busy curating other artists, I forgot to submit my own artwork like I forgot to have and, and half, <laughs> of the, own. In yeah. half of the shows and so then after our Basel I, I took a time out and I'm like I can hold hands and like honor other people but I can't do that if I disclude myself I, I cannot I will not not include myself like I need to be included I like forgot about myself because and there's that balance right and and yeah. checking in so that's a part of the artist journey too like reining it in zooming out Gary V, you know talks about yeah uh, being zoomed in and all of us were all like you know now I can't speak for everyone but you were so zoomed in but it's like zoom out like you sowed your seeds create our art and then bridge and onboard, you know, other people and really zoom out, but in a healthy way, have that balance. So exactly. I, I also feel just to talk about what you just mentioned, like there's, we tend to lose ourselves. And I don't know if it's as women more than men do, but we, we you know, we put other people first and we tend to forget about our own needs. And I guess as a mother, also, you know, there's a bit of like loss of identity, raising my children and then having to, you know, re-find myself and rediscover again now that they're all, you know, independent and off in university and all of that. Like, who am I? You know, like, who is Diana? Like, what, 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 what is she? Who is she? And so I, again, you tend to get, I easily get lost in doing, helping other people, do, which is something that I never will stop doing. But it's exactly what you say. We also have to honor ourselves and not forget to give ourselves like the space that we need to create. Without feeling shame, without feeling guilty, without yeah. needing permission and uh, validation and, and uh, approval from what's out there or what's going on in here, our exactly. own psyches that exactly. could be holding us back from the scripts that were taught from generations prior, like you were saying, the family and you know just society in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the balance of being mindful of not being on the social media and how much to be on the social media. I mean, obviously, you have a family. So you have dinners, you know, you have nature. But what are some tools? Do you do meditation or audiobooks, books, things that inspire you that enrich you? Or just is it picking up the camera and just going out and shooting that gives you a playful state to disconnect from the expectations and the ideals? It, it's a mix. So I exercise quite a bit. So I've after trying very many different things and how to divide up my day, I finally was like the mornings are for me. And then the afternoons are for whatever like creative side that I you know, that I want to go out, which is also for me, but you know, social media and answering emails and all of that. So I like to write in the morning and journal. So I do that I find that's very helpful. And I go through phases where I do it more do it less. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I try to get to the gym um, at least three times a week because it's for me it's kind of like I guess just clearing clearing my head and then and then also walking out with my camera a big a big meditation it's almost like a walking meditation so I, I always say I'm going to start meditating because I know the benefits it's so good I just I don't know I never seem to find the moment but I find that when I am with my camera and I am walking um, in na- I love nature like for me one of the things about being in Toronto that I I struggle with is like being in such a big city uh, and being far away from nature. I mean, it has its its good things too. So, but I just, you know, I take photos of cities now when, when I'm here in Toronto, right? And it's fun. And and I think the camera makes you slow down because you stop and you're looking. You, you can't rush when you're with your camera. You're observing. It's, I feel it almost slows down time because you have to observe and look and colors catch your eye light catches your eye so it becomes like a walking meditation for me when i go out and 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 refills my my soul when i'm Beautiful. burnt well said thank you uh honing it in um any last words of wisdom um mentors um anything that um you want to leave the listener with yeah i think i would say like be yourself in the space Find your people, like friends that you connect with, uh, that support you, mentors that you learn from. And we're always we're always changing and evolving and our art always changes and, and evolves. And basically, like, go with the flow. I mean, that's what I tell myself um, all the time. And, and just have fun. Honestly, have fun. Because... Well, your kids must just love you so much. I'm like, I have the coolest mom. <laughs> yeah. Go with the flow kind of mom. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, we you know, that comes with age, I think, when you just learn, you know, you got to chill out because what's the point of getting upset about all these little things all the time? Because, you know, I mean, our day-to-day, our routines, there's like a lot of things that always happen, right? And things we need to deal with and you've got to like pick your battles and be like, ah, oh, it's not worth it, you know? So I think that's that's the biggest lesson that, in, that I've learned in the space is just really, you know, surround yourself with people you like and uh, ignore the noise that you don't good people good people exactly good exactly. good people I've uh yeah good people <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah I find a lot of the people that I respect and admire in the space they ironically have families and children <laughs> there's just like a different dynamic than just the person who's going out there and doing the hustle and bustle there's you know, a whole community and, and family aspect to it. And it, it feels good. You you feel that like yeah. Gabe Weiss, Eddie Gangland, um, yeah. Mena, you know, you mm-hmm. like, you know, like Nama, like, you know, right. Ash Cooper Kearns always with her mom, like just family oriented people. And, you know, I'm cultured like you Greek. So maybe that's yeah. just, like you said, find your people. So how do we do that? Right. How do you identify with certain people? So I guess right. for me, it's through culture and family. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, you know, it's, it's like you're pr- and prioritize, prioritize, taking care of yourself, getting sleep, enough sleep, <laughs> eat well, like all those things that we can forget, easily forget about in the space because things are happening so fast and honestly like even if you have to step away for a bit you come back and it's fine yeah I love sleep so everything will be in the show notes but please what is the best way for people to find you on social media 
<laughs> I guess the best way, honestly, is Twitter. Mm. So on my Twitter, which is my name, Diana Pelliner, and pretty much my name is all my social media handles. Um, but Twitter is probably like the best way to connect with me. It's what I'm on the most. I'm trying to be more active on Instagram, but for now, Twitter. Twitter is the place. TikTok. You know, if you're going to pivot to another social media platform, I think um, TikTok's a good avenue. Uh, you know, I have to confess, I don't have TikTok. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm, I suggested it because you didn't mention it. But there's, yeah. it's called Hopper. We could talk offline, but it's a scheduling platform. Mm -hmm. And I guess for photographers, Chris Arvon in the community, who's a musician and photographer, he told me about Hopper. He said for photography, for art, Actually, Hopper's the best one. So you can, you know, schedule it four weeks, six weeks in advance. And it goes oh, to cool. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Like it goes to all of them. The good thing about Hopper is I guess when you do the hashtags, it's not mm -hmm. in the post. It's in the first, you can make it in the first comment. So that's- Oh, great. Yeah, so uh, check it out. But I'm I I'm will. working with someone to do it myself. So it's that a healthy balance of social media of not being up and down emotionally. Yeah having it strategically out and then whatever you exactly. want to post on the fly in the moment, you can still do that, but your schedule is still there. Um, I no, think great it's a, advice. I think it's healthier. And Tim Ferriss, he was on Meditative Story, Ariana Huffington's podcast uh, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And he says he doesn't have any social media on his phone. He does it all from his laptop. And wow. yeah, because for your mental wellness, you know, for your emotional wellness, especially being artists and, you know, it's it's just a smarter tool because they're tools and how are yes. we utilizing the tool? So we're benefiting. So it's not making us feel depleted and burnt out. Absolutely. And we might as well, these tools are out there. We might as well use them. I totally agree. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, please, whoever's tuning in, subscribe, like. We're doing giveaways every single episode. Even if you hear this episode four years from now, we have um, many artists in the space who are giving complimentary NFTs, airdropping NFTs. Make sure you go to uh, the link below and enter into the giveaway and put um, Diana Photography in the subject and something that inspired you, something that you learned. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe and share this with one or two people on your social media platforms, people who are artists, people who maybe who have families, like a mom who has a family um, who can identify with this beautiful conversation. And uh, yeah, share it with one person that's into photography. And we appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. I had so much fun. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki, over and out. <laughs>